الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد So the, we covered the first eight points yesterday or last night Inshallah we're going to continue uh, And uh, for this session we'll continue in order Inshallah So the next uh, benefit that Ibn al-Qayyim uh, rahimahullah mentions uh, Of the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says It endows him, meaning the believer It endows him with love Al-Mahabbah which is the very spirit of Islam, the pivotal point of religion, and the axis of eternal happiness and deliverance. For God has opened a way to access everything, and the way to love is constancy in remembrance. So let's um, take a, a stop here for, for a minute. So he's referencing now love, and through the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person is able to attain or is able to bring into their heart the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is um, very important, right? So there's two ways by which you can um, approach deen. One is through fear and one is through love. And uh, we all have to have both components in our life. Uh, but we tend to focus more on the fear side and we uh, focus less on the side of love. Meaning we operate out of, our, out of fear of Allah we operate out of fear of the Day of Judgment. We operate out of fear of the fire of hell. We operate out of fear of uh, of being looked down upon in the community. We we, we, we think that we can advance ourselves um, operating on this principle of fear alone. But that's against the nature of human beings. And when a person takes on a mission or any sort of... Um, has some sort of goal in their life, if they operate on the principle of love, it's more likely they'll succeed. Um, love on top o over fear. Not love independently of fear, but love more so than fear. So um, I've given this example before, but if a person, for instance, um, wants to become, uh, I used, um, let's say some, a person wants to become a teacher, right? And this is their, their goal, and they um, they begin the path of education, right? And it's a, it's a relatively long path uh, in terms of degrees and certifications etc now there's two ways they can operate out of fear and always out of fear that you know what if I don't turn this essay in then I'm gonna you know get this kind of a score if I don't pass this exam then this is what's gonna happen to me and my professor is gonna say this and I'm never gonna get into <coughs> you know the graduate school of my choice and I'm never gonna get a job okay if I don't meet this deadline if I uh, you know I just this is how I'm gonna operate you're, you're fearful all the time and the other person is a person that has a love for education in general, and they have this deep desire in their heart that they complete their uh, uh, complete their courses that require them to, to reach this goal. So they do it out of love, right? And that person, you'll see, they're you know they're up early, they're studying early, their essays are in on time, their assignments are in on time. They're you know the first ones to class. They um, they're operating out of out of a passion, out of love. They're not operating out of fear. And those are the people that tend to they tend to succeed more in their studies. And Dean as well, there are people who operate out of fear, right? They're just, just and it's part of it's the fault of ourselves and of our of our of, of our upbringing. We're always taught to fear Shaitan. We're always taught to fear the fire of hell. We're always taught we're always scared into worship, right? It's like if you don't do this and this is the punishment that's associated with it. If you don't do this and this is what's going to happen to you. But there's a lot more to deen than than uh, than just punishment. There's a lot more, um, and so uh, this is why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran, "Waladina amanu," that those people who believe, uh, they are uh, very 
fierce in their love for Allah. They have a deep love for Allah. So believers operate uh, in large part on love of Allah. And you're more likely to succeed as a believer if you operate on the principle of loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than merely fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a component of fear, absolutely. And without it, if we were only focused on loving and not fearing Allah, then then we would be more prone to breaking the sharia. We'd be more prone to giving in to our nafs, right? It's That's just a fact of life. So for instance, if you had a passion for studying, uh, at a university, right? You want to go and you you want to become a teacher, and that's your goal, and you have this passion desire. But it didn't matter what your grades were, right? Absolutely, didn't matter what your grades were. Then you probably wouldn't wouldn't do too well because you're just operating on this principle of your passion. You have to have a degree of fear that look, I love this, I love this, I, I want to do this. But reality is that if I don't, you know, study for this exam, no matter how much I love this field, I'm not going to get through the course. So similarly in Deen as well, you know, we we keep this principle of fear in our mind. It's all it's there. We're fearful that there is a punishment, that there is a hereafter, there is Jahannam. But this shouldn't be what's constantly plaguing us, and that's the issue. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be constantly uh, on our mind. It shouldn't be constantly instilled and imposed upon our communities. We uh, we should spend some time focusing on um, uh, developing ourselves so that we love Allah and we love this Deen. So this is what he mentions. It endows him with love, al-mahabba, which is a very spirit of Islam. This is the spirit of our deen, is to actually love our deen, and then to operate based off of love, not off of fear. To love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to worship him because we love him. We wake up for tahajjud, not because we're fearful that on the day of judgment we'll be asked about it, right? That's part of it. We wake up for tahajjud because we are grateful to Allah, and we want to stand up and show that gratefulness to him in the hours of the night that he loves the most. Right when we recite the Quran, we're not reciting the Quran because we are um, uh, because our parents are going to yell at us if we don't recite it, or because in the day of judgment, you know, we'll be punished. That's part of it, but we recite the Quran because we recognize that this is the book of Allah, and I am so in love with my Creator that I want to spend some time reading the words that He has sent down for me. This is this is the this is the attitude and this is the approach of the believer. Um, so He says, "This is the very spirit of Islam. It's based on it's it's love." The pivotal point of religion and the axis of eternal happiness and deliverance. Um, for Allah has opened a way of access to everything, and the way to love is constancy and remembrance. Now that we've established this notion that we should love Allah, not just because Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran that believers love Allah, but because this is what's going to ultimately uh, grant us success in this life, and as you mentioned, eternal happiness in the hereafter as well. Okay, so then what is the mechanism by which we bring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love into our hearts so that we are actually passionate about our deen? We have energy for deen. We wake up uh, excited to actually think about and worship and praise Allah and spend our day in His remembrance and spend our day in His servitude. So he says it is through remembrance. The way to love is constancy in remembrance. Constancy, being consistent in the remembrance of Allah is what brings love into a person's heart. Um, so it isn't just the remembrance of Allah, but it's consistent remembrance of Allah. And this is highlighted many places in hadith, in many places, um, so many places in hadith, that the, that, um, and it's a fact of life, that if you want to, if you have a goal in mind, then you have to work toward that goal 
uh, consistently. If you have a goal of bringing Allah's love into your heart, then you have to work toward that goal on a consistent basis, meaning consistently engage in Allah's remembrance, not sporadically, right? Not once one weekend a year or one weekend every uh, every six months or you know one day of the month where you spend time just focusing on Allah every day there's a concerted effort to engage in Allah's remembrance in his dhikr and we'll talk about what those forms could be and the result of this consistency this constancy is the love of Allah so he says so let anyone who wishes to find the love of Allah Almighty be fervent in his remembrance it isn't sufficient to be lackadaisical about this. It isn't sufficient to be, uh, to, to and, and I think it goes to why we're here, right? We're all serious about our, our goal of becoming closer to Allah and loving Allah. And so if we desire this, then we have to be fervent, fervent about this. It is both a lesson and a reminder. It's a lesson in the sense that if you didn't know before that the love of Allah Ta'ala should be in your heart and this is should, this should be the driving force of of your deen, well now we know. This is a lesson for us. And it's a, it's a reminder. This is a reminder for us that the way by which we attain that love is through Allah Ta'ala's remembrance. It is equally the gateway to Gnosis, Babul Ilm, as the gateway to love. Its widest route and its straightest path. Meaning, Um, the dhikr of Allah, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is equally the path to knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowledge about the unseen, knowledge, whatever Allah ta'ala has revealed to us about the unseen, knowledge about in general our deen, that enters into our heart through the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he's saying it is equally uh, the gateway to that sort of knowledge as it is the gateway to the love of Allah. It isn't just one or the other. So by engaging in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the heart is filled with Allah ta'ala's love. In addition to that, the, um, the you could say, I don't want to use the word secrets, but it, you could say in a way, the, um, the, the realities of this world, they're opened up to us. What's actually true is opened up to us, and what's actually false is, is made clear to us. That Jannah and Jahannam is a reality that we have to, be mindful of that's opened up to us right because uh we 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 know that these things exist but we don't fully internalize that and so that knowledge is internalized through the remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the same way that love is internalized through the remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala okay so that's um that's point number nine okay so point number ten remembrance knowledge Sorry, remembrance, a dhikr. It endows one with vigilance, al-muraqabah, which opens the door of self-reform. Um, it endows one with vigilance, al-muraqabah, which opens the door to self-reform. If a person wants to make islah of themselves, they want to correct themselves, they want to improve themselves, then the first step is that they have to be able to see their own weaknesses and their own deficiencies. And we lack that ability. We lack that ability, right? We, we think in our own minds that uh, we are flawless, right, at times. Or we are unable to see those deficiencies that are holding us back. And it partly, it largely has to do with our lifestyle in general and the perpetuation of sin. 
the more a person engages in sin and he uh, engages in sin in this world the darker their heart becomes the more difficult it is to actually uh, point out your own deficiencies and identify your own weaknesses and your own flaws it's very difficult to do that um but if a person decides that they want to do islah, they want to correct themselves, well then they uh, they have to be able to see their deficiencies. Or at the bare minimum, they have to be able to present themselves to someone who can see their deficiencies. Right? You, you can't expect to improve without actually knowing what you need to improve. You can't expect to get better without actually knowing what needs to actually get better. Right? And uh, we are, our, our lives have become so dark that we have no ability to actually see what lies deeply within our own hearts. And what lies deeply within our own minds. It's there's so much clutter, there's so much dunya, there's so much um, uh, uh, chaos, right? We literally yesterday that it's hard for us to actually see uh, what steps we need to take to reform ourselves. And this is a disease, not being able to identify our own faults and our own weaknesses. This is one of the greatest diseases that a person can suffer from, to think that we are actually have accomplished something, to think that we are actually something. Or to not even care about it and completely neglect this aspect altogether that, you know, I don't need to worry about myself. I don't need to worry about my heart. I don't need to worry about my deen. I don't need to worry about my relationship with Allah. This is a, this is a disease to not have this uh, within our own minds and our own hearts that we have to do this. So how, how is it that we can begin to see what lies within our hearts? Like what is the, the light that's required? So he says, it endows one with vigilance and muraqaba. Muraqaba means to watch over something, right? Raqaba, the, uh, the three-letter uh, root, it means to, to, to observe. And raqaba, yuraqibu, uh, muraqaba, which is the maslar, it means to intently, purposely watch over and be vigilant over something, is what it means. And so when a person's intently vigilant over their heart, they're able to, to see... Um, they're, they're able to see their heart But it isn't that simple It's through the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Through the dhikr of Allah ta'ala That a person is actually able to perform true muraqaba They're able to be vigilant over their heart You can think about it like um, It's like a flashlight right? You go into a dark room Without any light It's very difficult to, to see what's actually around And that's the state of our heart There's so much darkness There's so much heedlessness There's so much sin it's just darkness. Our insides are all dark, right? Uh, all of us. And uh, it's very difficult for us to see when it's dark. But when you have a light, you take a flashlight into a room, you can begin to see all these nuances. You can begin to see the, the corners, you can see the walls, the ground. You can see you can see what's good, you can see what's bad. You can see the uh, you can see the, 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 the cracks in the floor, you can see the the uh, an unleveled ground. You can see uh, you can see many different things. You can see you know ceiling tiles that are missing. You can't see it without light. But when you take flashlight into a room, you can see all of these things, all of these deficiencies, all of these um, weaknesses, areas for improvement are uncovered through this flashlight. And the flashlight of our heart is the dhikr of Allah. It gives us the ability to actually be vigilant over our hearts. You know, sometimes we sit in muraqaba, we sit in, in Allah's remembrance, and um, we aren't able to reflect upon our own weaknesses. That's a disease. But if a person engages in Allah's remembrance, then they're able to intently watch over themselves. So entering therein, he continues, the servant worships Allah as if he were seeing him. Entering therein, the servant worships Allah as if he were seeing him. 
There is no way for the heedless man to reach the state of excellence, ihsan, any more than for a seated man to reach his home. Okay, so he's mentioning a couple of points here. Um, once you are able to be vigilant over yourself and your heart and your state, and you're able to shine this light, then and only then are you going to be able to worship Allah the way you, as if you could see Allah, right? And this is hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that... Um, uh, that the, the most excellent state, which is ihsan, is is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you're seeing Allah. And that's a goal of every believer. We don't stop at just being Muslims. We don't stop at just being people that believe. We Our desire is to attain uh, a state of ihsan. And ihsan is a very uh, a high state. It's a state in which a person actually worships Allah the way as if they're able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so he's mentioned, and so this is a desire for all of us, and this is a goal for all of us. Um, the journey to Ihsan begins with self-reformation. If we want to be able to worship Allah the way, uh, as if we could see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it begins by reforming ourselves, by shining that light over our hearts, looking deeply within, correcting those things, and then eventually we'll be able to reach uh, the, the state of Ihsan, which is that we worship Allah the way we see Allah. There's no way for the heedless man, heedless man, meaning the person who doesn't worship Allah, or did, sorry, doesn't do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no way for that man to reach the sta- station of excellence or ihsan. So if you expect that you're going to reach this, pl- this state where you can worship Allah as if you see Allah, or interact with Allah as if you see Allah, or converse with Allah as if you see Allah, or perform salah like you see Allah, or read Qur'an as if you're reading to Allah, right, or perform tawaf around the Kaaba as if you're actually, you know, circling around the, the, the jandiyat of Allah. If you... Um, if you're thinking that you're going to get to this place without actually performing dhikr, without actually spending abundant time in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, then it's as if a person who's sitting down and is expecting to reach his, his home, that, that's, the, it's the, it, that's the analogy. Uh, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just stuck in one place. If you aren't actually on that mode of transport to, to your house, how are you going to get home if you're just sitting? Similarly, if you haven't engaged in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, you haven't actually taken on this mode of transport to Allah. You're just sitting in one place. You're not in any, uh, you're not in a vehicle that's going to take you to Allah and allow you to worship Allah as if you're seeing Allah. So this is what he's mentioning here. So that's, that's a, the point number 10. Okay, the next point. What, 8, 8, 10, you, you said Okay. Um, the next point he mentions is that the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala it predisposes the servant to turn back to Allah Almighty when someone turns to Allah frequently in remembrance it, re- it predisposes their heart to turn back to him in every state so that in the face of trials and tribulations Allah remains his sanctuary and his shelter, his protection and refuge, the qibla and prayer niche of his heart. Okay, this is very powerful. It predisposes a servant to turn back to Allah Almighty. You know, one of our responsibilities, one of the expectations Allah Ta'ala has of us is that we turn to him in any situation, that we turn back to him in any situation, in every situation that we find ourselves in. This is the expectation of Allah. And... This can be difficult to do. You know, our tendency, our habit is that when we don't need something, we don't turn to anyone. We're comfortable. 
We don't turn to Allah, we don't turn to anyone. When we need something, we look in many different directions. We turn toward friends, we turn toward colleagues, we turn toward people of authority, people of power. And yet we don't, we neglect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so he says, um, uh, so, so, so how do we bring that reality into our, uh, into our heart? Right? How do we bring the reality of um, turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into our heart? So he subhanahu wa ta'ala says, sorry, he, he uh, says, when someone turns to God frequently in remembrance, it predisposes his heart to turn back to him in every state. Meaning, if you engage in Allah's remembrance, even when you don't think you need Allah, right, throughout the day, let's say you're having a good day, and you decide that no matter, despite me having, despite, um, despite me having a good day today, despite me, everything's going well for me, I feel connected, etc. I'm still going to engage in Allah's remembrance. Then in those times when I am in need of Allah Ta'ala, I'll know exactly where to turn to. It'll become second nature for me. It'll become second nature for me. You know, I don't have to be reminded that, you know what, let's turn back to Allah today. Let's make tawbah today. Let's do istighfar today. Let's turn our attention, you know, in the, for instance, in times of difficulty, let's say you go to your parents and you ask them, you know, what do I do? Or you go to, you go to a close friend or you go to your teacher and say, what do I do? And they'll say, make tawbah, turn back to Allah, make dua to Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviate your difficulty, right? You'll often get this advice. We wouldn't need to be reminded of that if we were engaged in Allah's remembrance throughout the course of, of, of our lives or throughout the course of the week or throughout the course of the year because inevitably we would turn back to Allah Ta'ala. Um, we would know where to go to. Um, you know, in, um, and, and, and so how does remembrance remind us to turn back to Allah? Well, you can think about it this way, right? If you have a close friend that you do everything together with and you, you spend a lot of time with, you guys you know, go out to eat together, um, you, uh, you, 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 you're in classes together. You like to hang out with one another. Um, so this is the ter- person that you develop a close affinity with. Now, when some difficulty comes into your life, right, you lose your job. The first person you're going to go to is that friend because that's the person that you were spending the most time with. So what do I do? You know, something, some difficulty comes into your marriage or some difficulty comes into, you know, your studies. You go to your friend and say, look, man, this is what happened. Don't tell anyone, but just so you know, this is what's going on in my life. You know, you either ask for your help or even simply put, you want it to, you, you like to bring it to their attention, right? You want someone to, to, un, to reveal this information to. Sometimes you want to rant. Sometimes you just want to uh, unload. So you go to that friend and you'll just unload and just say, hey, listen, hear me out, right? And this, this, is, this is what friendship is. Um, for both brothers and sisters alike. Um, and it's because you have such a close affinity with that person. The remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows, the dhikr of Allah ta'ala allows a person to develop a very close relationship with Allah so that person's best friend actually becomes Allah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your best friend, then inevitably you're going to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any time of difficulty, in any time of need. Does that make sense? So, the, 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 the reason that we don't turn to Allah is because we haven't thought about Allah as our friend. Or we haven't, better, let's put it this way, we haven't made Allah our friend. Right? We've made Allah Ta'ala our Lord. And He's, you know, uh, he's, a dis, he's completely distinct such that we aren't able to, we don't think that Allah Ta'ala can relate to us. Or we don't think that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala can understand us. Or we don't think that we can reveal you know, our inner worries, our inner concerns to Allah. We think that Allah Ta'ala is, is uh, uh, not able to take this from us. 
it's because we haven't made Allah our friend. We have a lot of friends in this world, yet Allah Ta'ala is not our friend. You know, He's certainly not our best friend. He may be fourth or fifth on a list. But people that, but the believers uh, who are shadid in their love for Allah, their closest friend is actually Allah. Their closest friend is actually Allah. So they think about Allah. They spend time with Allah through the course of the day. They quote-unquote hang out, right, with Allah Ta'ala in their free time. And then when some difficulty comes into their life, the first being that they're going to go to is Allah because they that's their closest friend now. So he's saying when someone turns to God frequently in remembrance, meaning when someone spends ample time in the company of, you know, not not literally speaking, right? But in the remembrance in the sense that you're spending time with Allah, then it predisposes their heart to turn back to Him in every state. In difficulty and in happiness, in ease uh, and in, in discomfort, you are going to turn back to Allah because that's the person or that's the being that you've been spending the most time with. So then you'll, you'll inevitably fall back to Allah. So that in the face of trials and tribulations, Allah remains His sanctuary and His shelter. Look, when we go to someone for help, we we have we we uh, we expect that they're going to support us in some way. Let's say let's say that we, uh, you know, we we've been kicked out of our house and we need a place to stay. And we go to our friend and say, can, "Is there a, can I can I spend some time, can I stay with you for a bit?" We're expecting shelter from this person, but. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the true one who shelters. If we need shelter, then we should turn back to Allah. You know, let's say that, you know, we get into trouble with, with someone. And now we need protection, right? We need, we, need our, we need our support. We need our posse to kind of get, get our back if something goes bad. So we go to them and say, listen, we need help. I need your help. I need you to get my back in this situation. We want them to protect us. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-muhaymin. He's the one who is the all-protecting. He, he's, he's a true protector. Um, so why not turn back to Allah Ta'ala when He can provide all of those things that we need in times of difficulty? It, whether it's uh, sanctuary or shelter, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is the one who can truly provide that. Whether it's protection and refuge, Allah Ta'ala can provide that for us. So why not turn to Allah Ta'ala in times of need rather than uh, the creation of Allah Ta'ala? And the creation of Allah Ta'ala is very limited. The creation of Allah, when you go to a friend and say, can I stay with you for a week, I need a place, the friend has the option of saying no, right? When you say, I need your help, I'm in trouble, the friend has the option of saying no, I don't want to help you. They can say yes and they can say no. But for the believer, Allah Ta'ala doesn't say no. It's yes. Right? إِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي When my servant asks from me, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Know that I'm very close. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَان I answer the call when my believer is calling on me. I say yes to him. I say yes to her. There isn't this possibility that I'm not going to get give you my help and my support. So, whereas our friends, our parents, our children, our communities, our you know, our authoritative figures, they have the option of saying no when you need help. That option doesn't exist when it comes to our relationship with Allah. So why wouldn't we turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in times of difficulty, in times of tribulation? When we are seeking, like he mentions, his sanctuary, his shelter, his protection, and his refuge, why wouldn't we turn back to Allah when we know we're going to get what we need? So, 
he says, when someone turns to Allah frequently, just repeating this now, when someone turns to Allah frequently in remembrance, it predisposes their heart to turn back to Him in every state. So if you want to be that person who, um, you could almost say, subconsciously turns to Allah during times of difficulty, so that you don't have to be reminded to turn to Allah and ask for His help. You just want to be that person who naturally turns to Allah when any need arises in their life, then be that person who is abundant in Allah Ta'ala dhikr. Because spend time in Allah's remembrance when you think or when we perceive that we don't need Allah, and Allah Ta'ala will allow us to remember Him in that time when we need Him the most. And that includes in this life, and it most certainly includes in the hereafter. So then he continues. Um, actually, I want to mention one more thing here. Um, this applies also, turning back to Allah, this also applies to when we are, <coughs> so trial and tribulation, not just means those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends as a test to us, but it also refers, it can also refer to sins that we perform as well, right? So when we perform a sin, a, a major sin or a minor sin, we know that it's expected that we do tawbah and we turn back to Allah as well. Right? We direct our attention back to Allah. Oftentimes we need to be reminded of this. right? But it should be second nature to us. That look, the Prophet وسلم, said that um, that every son of Adam, every human being is someone who makes sin. right? And then he also said uh, that the, the best of people that make sin are those people that turn back to Allah. So if I commit a mistake, if I commit a sin, and I immediately turn back to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala is ready to forgive me. And the quicker I do it, the more likely it is that this is going to be easily wiped away. I shouldn't have to wait. But sometimes we perform a sin and then we, we think about it for like an extended period of time. Like, what do I do about this? You'll tell other people about it and you'll go to, the, you know, you'll, you'll go to your friends and say, man, I just did this, what do you think I should do? Or in your mind, you'll, you'll ruminate over this for days and days and days when the solution is very simple. You made a sin, just turn back to Allah and move on with your life. You're done. You turn back to Allah, ask for His forgiveness, and continue on with your life. Don't don't harp over these things. Don't get stuck on these things, and don't just don't don't uh, don't uh, you know lament over these things for days on end. Just turn back to Allah. But sometimes we don't remember that this is the simple solution to it. So so he's saying when someone turns to Allah frequently in remembrance, um, meaning just on a daily basis we engage in Allah Taala's remembrance. It predisposes the heart to turn back to Him in every state. Meaning you will be, it'll be second nature for you to turn back to Allah in tawbah as well. Because that's a greater trial and tribulation than uh, any of the dunya we travel, trials and tribulations in this world. Right? Uh, the tribulation of falling into sin, that's a very um, weighty tribulation. Because that's one that has ramifications in the hereafter. If you lose your job in this world, you're not going to be asked by Allah on the Day of Judgment, why did you lose your job? I mean, unless you did something wrong. You're not going to be asked. You know, if your father passes away, right, and it's difficult on you, this is a trial and tribulation, you're not going to be asked in Day of Judgment, you know, why did your father pass away? But if you engaged in a sin, let's say you looked, you were, you, you looked at something that was inappropriate, or you harmed somebody in some way, on the day of judgment, you'll be asked about it. There's no question. So this is the this is a, a and, and on the day of judgment, you will potentially be punished for it as well. So this is a this is the this is a real trial. This is a real tribulation, right? So 
it should be second nature for us that when we slip up and we make a mistake like this, that we just turn back to Allah immediately and we don't waste time. We don't spend days. We don't spend weeks. We don't spend years keeping this sin on our shoulders. Just turn back to Allah. It's very simple. Right? The one who turns back to Allah, it's as if they never did that mistake to begin with. So why are, why are we so... Um, <laughs> Uh, so why do we harp over it? Why not just turn back to Allah immediately? It's because we're not, we don't, we, we don't have this habit of constantly turning back to Allah. We don't have this habit of constantly turning back to Allah. So he says, one, someone turns to Allah frequently in remembrance, in times of ease, meaning when they're not committing sins, when they're not engaged in the disobedience of Allah. If you spend time uh, in that good state, relative, that goodly state, remembering Allah, it predisposes his heart to turn back to him in every state. Then inshallah, when we do fall to sin, then we won't, then we will immediately turn back to Allah Ta'ala in Tawbah. Okay, so that in the face of trials and tribulations, Allah remains his sanctuary and his shelter, his protection and his refuge. The other, th um, the other thing to mention is that um, there's tremendous benefit in remembering and calling and invoking Allah in times of difficulty and in times of ease alike. So we, we see one benefit here. One benefit is that is what? What's the one benefit that he mentions right now? When you remember Allah uh, frequently? You turn back to Allah more quickly, right? It's just, it becomes second nature for you. <laughs> so that's a clear benefit he mentions here. And the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith, and this benefit, I mean, this to me is is um, is incredible. He says, That the that the first people that will be called toward paradise on the day of judgment are those people that praise Allah, meaning do the remembrance of Allah, both in times of ease and in times of difficulty. That's an added benefit as well. So we. When, when things are going well for us, this is the time to spend in Allah's remembrance, right? Like, when things are going well for us, this is in particular the time to spend in Allah's remembrance. It isn't just when we need something from Allah, then we wake up for the hajj, then we ask from Allah. You know, when we are desperately, uh, we're in a desperate situation, we're in a dire situation, then we, and at that point, we turn back to Allah and we ask Allah Ta'ala to help us. And we're actually going to talk about this this particular point more. He mentions this point in, in, in beautiful detail later. But just keep in mind that, look, the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala should occur independent of the state we find ourselves in. Right? Why do people often turn back to Allah? You know, let's say, <laughs> you know, you're, uh, you, many people spend a good part of their life, you know, not really practicing deen. And then some some challenge hits them, and then they decide that they're not going to become someone who practices deen, right? Some awakening had to occur, some difficulty had to befall them, and then they realize the importance of turning to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. But the reality, uh, but it should the the situation should be that we praise and remember Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala regardless of the state that we find ourselves in. Right from the moment that we hit puberty until we pass away, we should be true uh, servants of Allah Taala. It shouldn't be that we need we need these constant jolts or these constant difficulties and these constant struggles to wake us up, so that we can turn back and make du'a to Him. 
So the Prophet Sallallahu said the first group of people that will be called on the day of judgment toward Jannah, toward paradise, which is which is a goal, our goal is to enter into Jannah, are those people that spend uh, both times of difficulty and times of ease remembering Allah. When things are going well, you engage in Allah's remembrance. And this is why <laughs> the routine that we mention includes istighfar a hundred times in the morning and a hundred times in the evening, right? And salawat a hundred times in the morning and a hundred times in the evening. Now, if you think about it, Let's say you're having a relatively good week and you're not performing that many sins. Why is it that we're still expected to do istighfar a hundred times in the morning and a hundred times in the evening? Right? I mean, part of the reason is because, yes, we're, we're, not, we're not flawless. We obviously have difficulty. Uh, we, we obviously have made mistakes. But certainly compared to weeks where we've made a lot of mistakes, where we need a lot more istighfar, maybe we should spend more time doing istighfar then. But we're told consistently every day do 100 istighfar in the morning, 100 istighfar in the evening. Say astaghfirullah 100 times in the morning and 100 times in the evening with your heart. Because even when things are going well for you, you should be engaged in Allah's remembrance. Right? Why is it that we say that you know you should spend 20 to 30 minutes reflecting and sitting in muraqabah and reflecting on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name? Why? Right, it, we should just it should just be reserved for the times of difficulty when we turn to Allah. The point is because we ha- the purpose is that we develop a habit of doing this when things are going well for us and when things are not going well for us. If we engage in Allah's remembrance, like He says, it predisposes the heart to turn back to Allah in every state. And if we engage in Allah's remembrance on a daily basis, we're not deciding is today a good day for me or is today a bad day for me. Is today a day I need Allah or is today a day I don't need Allah. Is this a week that I'm desperately in need of Allah, or is this a week I'm, you know, I'm less so in need of Allah, right? We're not having this conversation in our mind, irrespective. We we spend this time every day doing istighfar and salawat and muraqabah and reciting Quran because we know the Prophet ﷺ said that the people that call upon Allah and praise Allah Ta'ala constantly in any situation or circumstance they find themselves in, they will be called toward Jannah first. Does that make sense? So uh, the last point he mentions in this in this point, so he says, you know, Allah Taala remains his sanctuary, his shelter, his protection, and his refuge. So ultimately, Allah Taala is the one who can give protection, give pre- refuge, give shelter. So you should turn back to him anyway. And he, Subhanahu wa Taala, is the qibla and the prayer niche of his heart. This is powerful. You know, the when we think about qibla, we think about the direction that we face when we're praying, right? If so, if I was to ask you, what's the definition of of qibla? It's that there's a focal point of the of the of the earth called the Kaaba, and every and that's the headquarters, which is a masjid, the house of Allah, and every other masjid faces in that direction, and every believer when they decide they want to pray, they face in that direction, and that direction is Kerm, the qibla. That's the le- legal definition of qibla <coughs> uh, for the believer, but there's a spiritual definition of qibla that is uh, just as important. And that is that our heart is turned in the direction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That our heart is turned in the direction of Allah ta'ala. And the state of the believer should be such that their heart is automatically aligned with the qibla. Their heart is automatically aligned in the direction of Allah ta'ala. So that um, in times of need, the heart knows exactly the direction it needs to turn toward. In times of ease, the heart knows exactly which direction it needs to turn toward. The heart, and and in any circumstance, in any place we find ourselves in, when we're at home, right? We, we the qibla doesn't mean that just when it's time to pray five times a day, we turn toward Allah Taala. The spiritual qibla is that twenty four seven, our heart is turned toward Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, 
And when we are, for instance, at work, that although we're working, we're trying to earn a living, we're interacting with people, even people that don't believe in Allah, our heart is in the direction of Allah Ta'ala at all times. When we are at home and we're interacting with our families, right? Although we're speaking to them, we're playing with them, we're joking around with them, our heart's direction spiritually is in Allah Ta'ala's direction, right? That's what it means to have the a spiritual qibla, that the heart is in the direction of Allah Ta'ala. <coughs> and um, uh, it's, it's that place that you could go to, right? Let's say that, you know, if you, if you ever uh, use a compass, uh, or even use those compasses that show you the direction of the Qibla, not, you know, the electronic, whatever, iOS ones that we have, but, uh, you know, it, it kind of, uh, uh, a magnetic compass, when you actually try to face it toward whichever direction, um, initially you might shake it around just to sort of recalibrate it, and then you, you place it on the ground or whatever, and then it kind of goes back and forth for a little bit, and then kind of like this pendular swing, and eventually it lines up with the direction that you needed to line up with, right? Whether it's north, south, east, or west, or the direction of the Qibla, which is northeast. Um, the heart, you can find, it finds itself in that as well, right? You know, the, 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 if the direction of the heart uh, should be, the Qibla of the heart spiritually should be Allah Ta'ala, um, then it's possible that we're going to sway one direction or another. But immediately when our mind then focuses again on Allah Ta'ala's greatness and His ability and His magnificence and His power over every state of ours, uh, then our heart quickly realigns back. But the, and, and, and the point being um, from this is that we should know where our spiritual qibla is within our heart. That's the point. It, it's, it would be it's it's highly unfortunate to see people to see Muslims struggling because they um, they don't know the direction of Allah. They don't know the direction of Allah. They know yes, northeast. This is the place I'm going to pray. You can ask a non-Muslim, and they'll tell you, yeah, you pray east, right? Everybody knows this. <laughs> so we know the legal qibla, but the vast majority of believers have yet to find their spiritual qibla, and that's very unfortunate. And it's what's causing tremendous difficulty in our time. We don't know which direction to turn to. We don't know where our spiritual qibla lies. We don't know which direction to turn to to seek Allah Ta'ala's help. We don't know which direction to turn towards spiritually to, to find Allah. And an advantage of abundant dhikr of Allah, like Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah mentions, is that Allah Ta'ala becomes the qibla and the prayer, the, the niche of the person's heart. So, inshallah, we'll stop on this point um, and uh, we'll continue uh, thereafter. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grant us to, to, to learn from uh, uh, the, the words of our scholars. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala uh, grant us His, uh, His true love uh, may Allah Ta'ala allow us to be vigilant over our hearts such that we're able to reform ourselves for the betterment of this life and the hereafter. And may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala uh, make, make, uh, make for us um, uh, the direction that we turn in um, in our spiritual qibla. May He make that Him. Wa akhir da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.